Okay. <laughs> Stupid dog. And I'm here by myself. And so this, this is when she decides to become a pain in the ass. Uh, Sorry who's ever editing this. That's, that's dog. how dogs go. We we have a dog as well. I'm surprised he's yeah. been uh, <laughs> chilled this time, the whole time. Hello, and welcome to 19 Hits the Dragon, the tabletop RPG discussion and interview podcast. It's your host, Mike Daniel. Uh, and today I'm being joined by Chris Hussey, aka The Hussman, a tabletop RPG writer and producer of The Adventures of Young and Holt and Gun for Hire. Hi. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you very much, by the way, for having me. I really appreciate this. This is great. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to get to chat with you. Very happy to have you on the show. Um, so yeah, why don't you start by just telling myself and my listeners a little bit more about, uh, about yourself here and uh, what brings you out? Yeah, uh, so I've, I mean, games have been a part of my life, gosh, since I was about, I don't know, I want to say maybe it's a long time ago. So maybe 13, 14, 15 years old, uh, grew up on, okay. grew up on Redbox, uh, D&D, and then just slowly started expanding, you know, my uh, exposure to games as time went on. I actually got into writing uh, in the game industry back in the early 90s. Uh, I was very heavily into uh, Battletech. And, oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. And did a number of solo and collaborative projects for FASA at the time because they, they were the ones who had uh, the IP. And expanded a little bit, was able to do some for a few other games, a few gaming magazines that were around at the time, but sadly no longer exist. And mm. I've just kind of kept, you know, in connection with that um, off and on. Uh, yeah, basically since the 90s. I've done most recently, I've done a couple of things for uh, Pinnacle. I don't think any either of them have seen publication, so I guess it's just my word out in the void of whether or not that's actually <laughs> true. But but it is true. Yeah. Um, as as happens sometimes in the tabletop RPG writing. Oh yeah, abs oh absolutely. Yeah, there was yeah. A, gosh, there was a project I did once for Eden Studios way back in the day in the D twenty explosion that never saw the light of day. Uh, so it was yeah, it was wow. never actually produced. And my contribution to that, I I actually recently stumbled across the old file that I had for that, um, and was pretty surprised to find it because that was back in like early 2000s and my um, computer organizational skills were not great at the time. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, and then most recently since 2017, I've been, uh, I've been doing the actual play podcast stuff and uh, we're a little unusual in the sense that neither one of the podcasts we do is either Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder. Uh, so Young and Holt is uh, <laughs> Deadlands Weird West and Gun for Hire is um, Deadlands Noir. So, we're, mm -hmm. we're, we're a niche within the niche, I guess you could say. Exciting. Yeah. And I mean, that's, um, I, I think the, uh, tabletop, the actual play podcast, uh, community is a little bit, uh, like it, it's easy to get choked out when you're just doing D and D or Pathfinder, right? Cause there's a lot of content out there for both games. Yeah. Um, but being able to find uh, space for yourself and playing, playing Deadlands as well, uh, just a neat game in general. And, uh, 
makes for a lot of really interesting storytelling. So uh, it is, yeah, it has fascinated awesome. me in like the last three <laughs> years, three or four years, how much that space has exploded just in regards yeah. to, I mean, shows a variety. I mean, there's, I mean, of course, obviously it's hard. It's almost hard to find games that aren't represented um, as right, actual plays, right. but yeah. this, that there's so much out there and it's, Twitter is where I hang out most of the time and uh, for sure. Uh, usually at least once a week or once every two weeks, I'll see someone posting like, you know, Hey, I need some podcast recommendations. You know, and they mean, you know, tabletop related podcast. Um, go ahead right. and hit me. And there's like 150 <laughs> replies to this yep. and yep. Yep. you might find maybe like 10 that are pushing the same show, but then almost everybody else is all of these different shows, which, you know, mm -hmm. is, a both fantastic and also kind of frustrating at the same time because oh, there's so sure. much out there it becomes almost impossible to try and consume consume it you know and i listen to yeah. a, i listen yeah. to a lot of ap's but it has taken me a long time to find these ones that i really enjoy yeah for sure and i mean uh, as someone who like hosts a show where i interview people from other podcast and just the tabletop RPG uh, creator space in general, there's a ton of content out there and it can be really difficult to like find the ones that, that I enjoy listening to just like for, for pleasure. And I'm just going to put that on. And then like I have guests, I'm like, Oh, well I need to go and listen to their shows as well. So <laughs> let me like find a small arc or something that I can, you know, spend a couple hours and, and really dive into it. Uh, yeah. It's uh, the, the space is, um, fraught almost with actual play podcasts, but in a really good way. In a good um, way. Yeah. It really, yeah. It's a good problem to have. Oh, like, yeah, huge. <laughs> like, there's too much content out I there. I know. I can't even imagine how I, I wish I could have been this overwhelmed, like back in the, the late eighties, early nineties, you know, when I was like mm -hmm. just hot and heavy into RPGs and getting out of high school and, uh, and been able to have access to, a this type of content and b just the the vast amount of advice that you can get you know it mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. it's it make this is one aspect of it that makes me really happy for all of the people who are coming into the hobby is that they yeah. good a player b game master advice is is so easily accessible that the ramp up to becoming good you know mm -hmm. quote in, in mm -hmm. quotes at, at, right, right. Uh, at what you do around the game table is much faster because you, it doesn't take you nearly as long to learn those lessons because you have so many examples mm -hmm. out there of like how to be better players and game masters, which is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And that's all about what we're, or that's uh, what we're here doing as well as like offering some advice to, uh, to folks. And, you know, we do some actual plays as well, but mostly here to like, just talk about tabletop RPGs, right? Because there's a ton, as we discussed, there's a ton of actual plays out there, right? There are some really good discussion uh, podcasts as well that are out there. We've had some folks on from that too, but like, you know, I, that's kind of the, the space that I've found myself in, mostly because I get a little too nervous when it comes to like GMing um, or even just being a player and like, oh, and someone's recording me. Oh, shit. I got to make sure that I'm doing something interesting. <laughs> but if we're just shooting the breeze then like, yeah, I can talk all day about tabletop RPGs. That's fine. <laughs> Not going to get quite as in my head about that. Right. Um but yeah, I mean, you've been you've been around the the scene for a while now. I, it seems like you've got a lot of great experience with creating and with uh, with playing games as well. Obviously, 
Um, so I, I guess my my question for you, when it comes to um, you know sitting down at at the table with folks, what what do you prefer? Would you would you like to sit down with like a bunch of a bunch of newbies, people that have never touched a tabletop RPG before, or people that are are veterans, you know, old hats? They've been playing maybe as long as you have or, or longer. Is it is it a, is it a cheating answer to say both? Um, I mean, it's a little bit, a little bit. Well, here, I'll allow it. Okay. Well, thank you. (laughs) And and I guess here's, here's why I, and I really, that's my honest answer is, and if I had to Uh say like, which one I would, if, if, you know, gun to your head, which one do you ultimately prefer? (sighs) See, it's even still hard to come to that, but I mean, I think I would ultimately lean towards older slash more familiar players but that is only Mm. edged out only because for me and my like my preferences i you know i like being able to sit down with with players that um a i'm 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 very familiar with and 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 Mm -hmm. and they are slightly veteran and we can maybe really get into some good serious storytelling in that regards but like that's literally the only advantage to me that 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 seems to have because i I 100% just love new players and I love being a GM for new players, whether it's at a con event or if I'm Mm -hmm. running a one shot online or whatever, because there is a, um, that freshness that they bring. And there is a certain level of energy that new players have that veteran players don't and like they lose once they've, once they've, they've played for a while. Uh, and these new players have it. And that is so infectious to me as a GM. It actually makes me a better GM because I, mm-hmm. I feed off that. And then I realize, oh, these are new players. And it kind of reignites my imagination to, you know, get better with the descriptions or to slow mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. and kind of focus on certain rules if it's necessary at the time, you know. And that that has something that has kept the hobby even after what this would be I'm, I'm coming up on what 30 we can do math 40 years getting there but it, it's um mm-hmm. it has kept that hobby fresh for me even after all this time like i'm still not anywhere close to being bored right and, and new yeah, players do that, that. They, they they help yeah. a lot with that absolutely there's the uh the freshness that you mentioned i think the kind of the creativity that they can bring to the table because they're not like bound by these rules of like oh this is a tabletop rpg and i know how to play these games i'm you know they're, they're coming to the table uh with a blank slate and they don't know how any of this functions so they're just like let's just tell a story together oh like, yeah. yeah cool let's let's dive into it yeah uh they're not going to be worried about like min maxing their characters or making the appropriate choices based on their own skill set it's just like i want to do this how do I do that? Cool. Yes. Let's make that happen. Let's, let's, let's follow that, uh, that, that, that thought process, that train, uh, you know, in, in that direction. That in that aspect that you mentioned, the, the appropriate choices, that is, that's one of the things that I've seen with so many times with new players is like, they don't want to make the quote unquote wrong choice. And Mm -hmm. when you get to remind them that there is no such thing, you know, right, as a wrong right. choice, like you go ahead and do whatever you think that you or your character might do. 
And then mm-hmm. we're just going to roll with it from there. Oh, well, what if this isn't what, what's supposed to happen? I'm like, no, we don't know what's supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I've got yeah. notes of what I would like Whatever to happen. Do, that's what's supposed yeah. to happen. But it's, yeah. but, but these are just notes. They can change, yeah. you know? So, mm-hmm. so what's supposed to happen is whatever it is that's going to come out of your mouth. And I'm like, I want to know what that is. And, yeah, and that, sure. that is so, you know, when, when you see them get that realization of the, 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 the sudden breadth, uh, of what can be done that, Mm -hmm. you know, that's really cool. And then you had, you had also alluded to this as well. It's discovering, um, the world that they're in, you know, and realizing that, Oh, like these are all, these are all things that I can interact with. Um, one of the, one of the stories I love telling in regards to that, um, is I was, I was running a game session for my oldest son at the time and some of his buddies and they had played, uh, a, a lot of, uh, oblivion up to that point. Okay. You know, so a okay. lot of oblivion mm-hmm. in the Xbox. So they, like they, it was very easy to get them. Yep. Fantasy genre. You've got a fighting type character, a magic type character. Like they, they grasped those concepts right away, but like right. there was a literal, I, I could see it on the guys' faces when, they were interacting with the uh, innkeeper or the, or the tavern owner or whatever. And then they realized that they didn't have like three rote questions that they could do. And then that would be it. Like they realized that they could just have a conversation (laughs) with this dude and it would go on for as long as they wanted it to go on, you know? And these are guys who played a lot of, you know, you know, console based RPGs, but yet here's an Mm -hmm. actual, tabletop rpg and you you just it's like mean that it's not going to repeat the same dialogue over and over again i can ask him anything like yeah you can ask him anything you want man go for it you know and then sure you know sure enough and he had answers by your imagination so yeah yeah Yeah. and and that's just that that to me having you know been doing this for years like that was so cool and i just absolutely Mm love seeing that kind of stuff so for sure. Yeah. I, um, I played or uh, GM'd a lot of uh, Adventures League uh, in the years leading up to, uh, to COVID, actually. Mm-hmm. So uh, not doing it, it now, but um, for about two and a half to three years, somewhere in there. Again, time has uh, kind of gone <laughs> out the window recently. But um, yeah, we'd have, you know, I would run a game every three to four weeks at this comic book shop here in, in Chicago. And um you know, we had our regulars that would show up on a regular basis, but there would almost every time there would be one person who was like new, mm-hmm. uh, either new to the the gaming, uh, like that particular Adventures League team, league, whatever. I don't know what the term is. Anyway, to, to showing up to the comic book shop. But sometimes we would have people who had never played tabletop RPGs before, never played D&D before. And they're like, I want to know what this is about. I'm like, cool, we're going to have a great time with you. Yeah. So, and it was always really fun seeing those people kind of uh, blossom almost at the table. Because um, we'd have a couple of folks around the table that would be, you know, not quite veterans even, but they've just played together a few times at that mm-hmm. point. Um, and then we have this new new person here who's like, oh, I'm, I want to do this thing and I'm not sure. And we're all just kind of being nerds together. And like they see that it's an open space where they can kind of be creative and be kind of dorky or make some fun or interesting choices. And uh, that would kind of like, you know, that seeing that spark ignite within them is always uh always magical for sure that you know and that you mentioned there is something that um i'm still 
I don't want to say struggling with, but it's still something that I'm, I, I don't have like a tried and true strategy for dealing with is when you're at mm. that table where there's mixed, where you have some people mm. who have mm-hmm. played for a while and you have yeah. someone who is brand new, you know, and certainly you've got that intimidation factor, you know, where the oh, new player sure. realizes that they're new and that everybody else is here. So then they, they feel so much more pressure to like, you know, perform properly whatever the hell that means but whatever that means yeah, yeah. um <laughs> and and you you know it's i i found what generally works best is you know reminding the reminding the player don't be so concerned about the rules you know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. don't be don't be worried about you know three quarters of the stuff that's on your character sheet you know everyone around here is going to going to help you with that don't be afraid to ask questions for goodness sakes you right. know ask questions and and i think along with that it's you know making sure that you have the right kind of veteran players like what you described i think that that's mm. like that that's perfect if you've got these if everybody around the table is like super willing to help and i yeah. think i think that exists more now than it used to i think sometimes mm-hmm. you would get a little mixed bag where you would get some players who they weren't uh opposed having a new player on there but they may be right. a little may have been a little bit less tolerant like, because it, oh, it, we're not going to win the game yeah, this or guy it's going to slow the play. game down for us man yeah, like, <laughs> you, know, like, you know what though but we've been having some pretty fast-paced games up this time so you know throttle back right. you know buddy let's, yeah we let's, can pump the brakes here a little yeah, bit yeah yeah and i've been i think that that's not that's not the issue that it used to be because i do think mm-hmm. the vast majority of people are usually pretty accommodating and i think uh, the fact that we've had that we've had such an influx of new players, I think has a lot to do with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I'm interested in maybe some of your, your tips for, um, you know, you get a new player or maybe a, a handful of new players at the table. Um, how, how do you kind of approach things with them to get, get started with, um, role-playing with them? the, the biggest thing I've done, especially when it's like a new, if, if, if they're new, there's two i guess i kind of break this down into two things if they're brand new to rpgs in general then for sure well i guess this is true if they're brand new to this certain game that i'm whatever the game is that i'm running if they've never played the game before it Mm -hmm. is like one of the biggest things i try to reiterate is a we are here to have a good time we are here to tell a story together um and you start right away with the whole thing of there are no wrong answers you know, it's like, yes, there's a general outline of a story that I have, but honestly, whatever you guys do, the goal here is let's just do cool things. These are, we let's do, let's <laughs> yeah. do cool shit that we don't get to do in the real world. And now here's our opportunity to do so. So let's have fun doing that. Um, mm-hmm. I try to encourage descriptions, but I, you know, being descriptive uh, and I try to lead by example, but I get that some people, you know, it's hard for them to get in that zone. But also another other big thing I really do when it's brand new players is I may explain the base core mechanic of whatever the game is um, mm-hmm. and how it relates to whatever it is their character might try and do. But I also encourage players to feel free to ignore, and it, this is especially true when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons players. Um, right. If I'm playing D and D, ignore about ninety percent of the character sheet because there is, <laughs> there's. I ran a yeah. couple of events, um, and these were these were actually they were they were one was like a, a birthday thing, and one was like a corporate event, and these were people who had never done 
role-playing games before, but they were, were doing okay. 5e, you know, and, and 5e uh, on the whole as a game is fairly easy to learn, you know, because the, the core mechanic is pretty simple. The advantage disadvantage mm -hmm. mechanic also very simple. Right. But if you look at a, a 5e character sheet, man, there's a lot of numbers. There's a lot <laughs> There's of information. Lot of stuff on it. And if yeah. and it, and so like if you're brand new to this and you and especially like and this is not a knock against D&D Beyond because they just this mm -hmm. is their character sheet. When you look at right. something like that on on a thing like D&D Beyond, there's so many numbers and so many different right. tabs and things that you've got to do. Mm -hmm. That's like mm -hmm. really overwhelming. And so like I will literally tell them just oh, ignore yeah. most of this. Like when mm -hmm. it comes up, I'll let you know and then we can explain it then, but I said Here's like your ability scores and their measures of, you know, your physical and, and mental and social abilities. Here's kind of, if you do have to attack something, you might use this section, but let's just, you know, here's your measure of your health before you die, but let's not worry about anything else at all. You know? Right. And if you, okay. if you're a magic using character, we'll talk about that when you think you might want to cast a spell or when I will try and be, a, I will try yeah. and give you a prompt say, <laughs> this might be a good opportunity for you to cast one of your spells. Let's talk about this. Mm -hmm. Okay. But, yeah. but yeah, I try and get into the game as quickly as possible. Um, because I don't know, it's, it's like, you know, I try to compare it to like a, a corporate setting when you're in meetings, if you have mm -hmm. to, if you have to explain like all this preliminary stuff, before you get into the cool stuff of whatever this meeting that you're in, it can be really hard to pull them out. Once you get, you have all this mundane information assaulting you. They're going to disengage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. They'll disengage. So it's, let me give you just a sample of like the, the, the minimum that you have to know, and then let's look at the mm -hmm. cool stuff. And then if we have to stop and talk about it, then we'll stop and talk about it. Um, and it's generally worked. You know, um, yeah. you know, I, I've, I've had good response, um, from, you know, with, with new players when they're trying to, you know, pick up certain concepts or like someone will say, okay, I want to go and I want to run over and do this and want to take a swing at this guy, but then I want to go run over there. I'm like, okay, well, you can do a couple of those things. You can do a little bit of that. Right. Yeah, yeah. But in the, but this, and this is how we break this down, but you know, good on you for coming up with a great mm -hmm. idea. That's the other thing too, is that especially with new players, if, you know, even if their idea is a slightly far-fetched of what mm -hmm. it is that they've come up with to do, the fact that they're engaging with you and they, they're trying to do something, you've got to let them, you've got to, you've got to give them something. Even if you don't want to give them all of it, you got to give them mm -hmm. something and they've got mm -hmm. to get that success early on. Because then that that hits those dopamine areas, right? And then then they're <laughs> yeah. like, "Well, sh ah, I got to do more." You know, this is this is fantastic. And the hopes are in them. They roll their die and they succeed. Oh like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, All right. Yeah, and that's the other part of that too. If they fail, get descriptive with that as well to help mm -hmm. try and mm -hmm. set them up for some more success on the road. Don't be like. And granted, you can't always do this, but I think it's more important right. with new players. Um, for sure. If they miss, describe that miss and, mm -hmm. and, you know, oh, like, like, yeah, your sword, it gets blocked and pushed away and you're kind of spun around a little bit by the, by your opponent, help them visualize that. So it still doesn't feel like a failure. 
you know, like you're mm-hmm. trying. It doesn't just shut them down entirely. Exactly. Yeah. And and the reverse is true. If if you're taking a swing at them and you miss, describe that, how they heroically block that blade mm. and, and, and look yep. like a badass when they're doing so, you know, because then again, yeah. that fuels them to, to, to go on. Excellent. Um, before we talk too much further about advice for dealing with new, or working with new players, I do have a question for you. Yes. Do you have a way that you describe table, tabletop RPGs to someone who has never played them before? Um, I think I've, um, short answer is yes. Um, medium length answer <laughs> is it depends on the game. Uh, most people okay. will okay. have heard of Dungeons and Dragons. So like if I'm talking mm-hmm. to players like... Yeah, you know, I play a lot of tabletop role-playing games. And they're like, well, what do you mean? And I say, well, you know, you know Dungeons and Dragons? And they'll say, yes. And I say, yeah. hey, well, it's like that, but those aren't, that's not the main game that I play. Right. And and then so then, yeah, I'll basically explain it now more than ever. I'll, I'll explain it like it's basically a bunch of people sitting around doing a collaborative storytelling. There's someone who's kind of leading <laughs> things, but everybody contributes with their own characters. And you get to do really cool things and you kind of come up with a shared memory and a shared story um, after everything is done that you can, that's either done at the end of the night or you continue mm-hmm. on the next time you, you get together. I say it's a great social activity. It's a great team building activity. Uh, it's a great way to meet people, you know, and I like describing, and I don't know if this is just because, you know, the APs that I do or because I, you know, I have an inborn need to like do things that aren't the mainstream, you know? So now it's like, uh, I play D&D, right. but I don't really play D&D very much, you know? I don't know if that's like mm-hmm. my inner hipster coming out or whatever, but. <laughs> um, Maybe a little bit. Yeah, but it, but I like describing the other games that I play. Like it's fun mm-hmm. to describe Deadlands when I'm like, yeah, it's just like you're in the Old West, you know, you get to play Cowboys, you get to do all this cool stuff, but there's elements of supernatural uh, occurrences and there's low level horror mm. or high level horror mm. depending upon how you play um but your your heroes out west and you're you're taking on all these these dangers you know like oh, that's kind of cool to describe yeah. or with deadlands noir it's like you're playing in the 1930s gangster era but again there's supernatural horror and there's magic and things like that mm-hmm. so it's it's fun to describe those two because and i think it's important because it, it, it allows people to see the breadth of games that are available and genres that mm-hmm. you can play in, you know, I mean, yep. It's very easy to identify a fantasy genre and it's a great genre, but doing, um, being able to describe other genres where you play these, you know, different types of games and characters. That's, I think that's, that's great. It just shows that breadth. Excellent. Yeah. I'm definitely going to take some of those, uh, those ideas and, pepper into how my uh, my descriptions play out uh just to kind of bounce off of that i i do use some of those uh those ideas that you 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 put out there i think the other thing that i i kind of break it down in in two ways um and again kind of depending on the the player as well you know i'll say well do you, do you play a lot of video games and if they say yeah i'm like okay cool so imagine a video game that you like to play um, and maybe it's, you know, a fantasy game, like, you know, the Witcher or Elder Scrolls games or something like that. I'm like, okay, cool. So something like that, we're going to tell a story kind of like that and we're going to play a game, but instead of playing on like a console or on a computer, the game 
system that we're using is in our collective imaginations. So we're all going to be playing this game together. We all decide like how this game gets played. Um, I might be the one sort of, you know, tending the story as we're going along, but everybody gets to play and we all get to have this story that we tell in our minds. Um, which usually gets people, you know, pretty, pretty jazzed up. They're like, oh, okay, cool. So like, it's like a video game, but there are uh, like, no, not as many boundaries. Like I'm not going to run into a wall or I'm not going to, like we alluded earlier, there's not a set amount of dialogue for particular NPCs to have and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. um, the other way that I also like to describe it is, you know, asking people like, oh, when you were a kid, did you like, you know, you played with like toys and stuff like action figures, dolls, so you would tell stories with them, right? So it's something similar to that. But we're going to have some some light rules to kind of put everyone on on, you know, a similar playing level, essentially yep. kind of make it put a little framework more or less even it. for everybody. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, those are kind of my two go to uh, like brief descriptions of like, let, let me describe what this is to you and try and get you hooked in. With, nice. Um, that's, yeah, that's pretty that solid. Stuff. I like that. I like that a lot. I think that there's yeah. there's. It's it, it's much easier too to talk about it. I think that there's mm -hmm. um, you know I I used to I I got over my quote unquote gamer shame very early on, and mm -hmm. was you know was happy to admit uh, when it wasn't necessarily cool to admit that I was a gamer, um, <laughs> right, and, right? And talk about it enthusiastically. Sometimes I probably talked about it a little too enthusiastically, and that also turned yeah, people off. You, know, yeah. you, you get a little bit too much yeah. of that, but it's. I don't know. For some reason, it, it seems easier now to talk about it and bring in a lot of what, like you said, you know, it's, this is, a, this mm -hmm. is a, a collective practice that's going on here and it's all, you know, in our imaginations. Yeah. So I guess kind of circling back around to talking a little bit about new players yeah. uh, again, still, um, I know we talked about some of the kind of advantages that you have with bringing new players to the table. What are some things that you struggle with when it comes to having someone who's never played before sitting down at the table across from you. I think it is um, convincing or, 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 or drawing certain things out of them. You know, some mm -hmm. players I've noticed, like despite my best efforts to describe a scene or a situation that's happening for some, for some people that it, they have a hard time visualizing or they can visualize, but they're paralyzed with indecision, like as to mm, what they mm -hmm. want to do. And it takes them a really long time to get out of that mode. And that, whether it's they just they they're unsure of what to do, like they might know what they want to do, but they're unsure if they can do it or if, mm -hmm. again, they can't get over that. I don't want to make the wrong choice hump. Um, right. And that can be. That can be, uh, I, don't, I, I hate using the term an issue, but that is one of the things that I have encountered that is that is a problem. And I think an, along with that, and this is more, well, for me, it's more of, a, of an issue when I'm teaching new people how to play Savage Worlds. And okay. I will try, and this is not a knock on the Savage <clears throat> Worlds as a rule system, but it, it comes down to grasping things on a conceptual level using uh rules subsets uh because mm, in the mm -hmm. game they have a few different like rule subsets there's a things called dramatic tasks which are basically like your skill challenges okay um, but they but they can usually get pretty descriptive there's things in there which are quick encounters which is like usually a simple skill role and then you narratively describe how things go 
Um, they also have the interludes rules, which is where you're kind of just, you're simply just like telling a story. There's nothing really mechanical involved in there. Mm -hmm. And getting new players to grasp some of those concepts, even after you've explained them is, uh, is a bit, can be a bit tricky. And, and, and even, and whether they're new to RPGs or just new to the rule set, I, um, <laughs> I did, uh, I recently ran a game where all the people who were there, who were players, who were, they were veteran players. Um, mm -hmm. and they even kind of knew Savage Worlds as a system, but I'm like, okay, we're going to do a dramatic task. Here's kind of what we're going to be doing. Here's how I'm going to run this. And I explained it, but getting them to fully engage was a little, was a little bit harder than I thought it was going to be, you know? And mm -hmm. I, and I, after, and after the game was done, we did talk about it a little bit. You know, and I realized part of the problem was on me and how I approached it. Uh, I think because I came to it with a certain set of assumptions, which I probably shouldn't have, have had. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, their level of engagement, and it may have been started by my lack of explanation. I don't want to say lack of explanation, but the way in which I explained it, that may have been, um, that may have contributed to them not fully getting into it. So, but those two things really are the biggest, biggest issues that I've found. Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. I think the um, indecision or kind of option paralysis uh, is a, a huge one, whether they're, as you mentioned, like new to tabletop RPGs in general or new to this specific game that you're playing. It's like, I have all of these tools in front of me and I don't know which one to use. And I, and I do think that that uh, desire to like, do the right thing or maybe the most optimal thing um, often kind of paralyzes players in a sense where they're like, Oh, I want to do, I want to do this thing and I want to make sure I succeed. And it's like, no, like failure is part of it. That's okay. Like what would, what are you interested in making happen? And let's try and figure out a way to make that happen. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, for sure. Yes. Um, yeah. My, my follow-up question for you is when you notice these hiccups or roadblocks coming up at the table, What's your advice to a game master for maybe overcoming those obstacles? I think the if if you notice them at the time that it's an issue, um, obviously, in the moment, I think the best way is to provide each player, you know, if they're having trouble, give them options of what they could do, and, and give them at you know at least at least two, but possibly more. Um, I had mm -hmm. in that, in that, in that dramatic task situation that I described, I did have a player. She was a little stuck. She wasn't like sure exactly like what she could do, or she had an initial idea, but somebody kind of did something that messed with that idea. So right. okay. pro, at, in, in the moment, if you can do a little handholding and say, you know, you could do this, or you could do this, or you could use this skill or attribute to do this certain thing, um, that that at least gives them several options, you know, and, and remind them, of course, the fact that none of these are bad choices, you know, right. You can do any right. of these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, continue to do that as each player, you know, if they, if they do indeed have those issues. Um, after the fact, if you have the time, you know, make a mental note too at the time, the fact that, that this was, that this area was an issue. And, 
you know, as, as any good GM always does, they always say, you know, Hey, do you guys have a good time? And then of course everybody <laughs> automatically says, yeah, it was great. Oh yeah. You know, course. and yeah. then that's it. But don't, don't do that. <laughs> it would be my recommendation because, and what you should do instead. And this is I was just going to say, or don't let that be the end of the conversation. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and cause of course at the end of that game, I, I, of course, did that. Hey, did you guys have a good time? Yeah, of course we had a good time. And, I, and then I said, yeah, I said, but, you know, when we did the dramatic task, I don't feel like it, like I really stuck the landing or that that thing as a, as a part of the adventure didn't really work well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what did you guys think? And so giving them that specific thing and opening it up to saying, you know, especially if you're being a little bit self-deprecating in the sense that I feel like I didn't quite give you guys what maybe what you were looking for mm-hmm. that then opens up that conversation to get actual constructive feedback at the time, you know, or after the event, um, which I think then can be really helpful, you know, and so of course going on uh, along with that as a GM, you also have to make sure that your skin is thick because, you know, some players, may be very diplomatic in their answers to you about something. Um, but some might not, it may come across as partially blunt, um, but not necessarily mean spirited. So, you know, be prepared for that kind of, that kind of feedback, you know, take it in the, the positive way in which it's probably being offered regardless of how it sounds, you know, and don't be afraid to ask follow up questions if you don't quite understand what they're saying. For sure. Yeah, because I think that that and those are difficult conversations to have. It's super easy for me to say, do this, you know, <laughs> right. But it's it in practice, it, it can it can sometimes be an issue because mm-hmm. a you may not want to hear what they have to say or b <laughs> you might have to. Well, and yeah, and you may have to admit to yourself, wow, I totally choked at this point. You know, I was a bad GM mm-hmm. um, and that's. No, you really weren't a bad GM. You just had, you know, not everybody can be on 100% of the time. For sure, yeah. So you got to cut yourself a little bit of slack. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I think those those uh, those conversations are super important to have, especially with new players, you know, finding out what worked, what didn't work. I, I think that's how you ultimately, you know, build a, a really good campaign with everybody uh, at, mm-hmm. gonna be at the table is like, not just like noticing like, Hey, this thing worked really well, or we had, we had some, we kind of stumbled at this spot. Um, but really asking questions saying, you know, what did you guys enjoy? What did you think about this particular thing that I tried? Was that something that was cool? Could we incorporate more of that in the future? Stuff like that as well. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's actually a really good point because there may not have been a, a, a point in, over the course of that session where there was something that there was glaringly, obviously, you know, something that needed to be addressed. Right. But, but yeah, in what you're saying, asking, you know, how did you guys, how did everybody like the descriptions? Mm-hmm. Did, did the combat seem to go a little bit too long? Why do you think it went a little bit too long? You know, what about the NPCs that you interacted with? You know, right. did they seem like they had distinct personalities? Those, those are all very neutral questions to ask where you can still get some good notes to take on to your next session. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So we, we've talked a lot about uh, advice for interacting with new players. You said early on though, that you have a at least slight preference for playing with vets at the table. <laughs> so yes, just, just a, just a, just a skosh. Uh, so, one tiny little reason. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, so let's let's kind of un- unpack that a little bit, though, like as far as dealing with or playing with people who have been around for a long time. What are some things that you really love about sitting down at a pl- at a table with uh, with a group of vets or, you know, longtime players? There is, I mean, uh, rules familiarity aside, because, you know, everybody's definitely going to know the rules. So things can go a little bit smooth there. I think, and I guess this is coming from being at a table, a long serving table, as opposed to sitting down with a table of veteran players for like a con event or a one shot or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you have a, if you have a table of veteran players that you're extremely comfortable with and that you have a good rapport and a good vibe with there, the, the depth of the stories that you can tell is, you know, it's just, it's really good. It's really meaty. Um, you can really get into things because you know how these people act. And, and, and I have this almost, um, and I'm going to, I'm going to compliment two of my players here and they're in both the APs actually. I have almost an embarrassment of riches in regards to the <laughs> level of trust dynamic between myself as the as the GM and them as players where though uh, character death of course in our games is is a possibility mm-hmm. but they trust me as a GM to put to purposely put themselves in bad situations because <laughs> they know it's going to make a really good story. Yeah. Like there's there's a trust there. And the reverse is also true where I know that I can throw things at them that they're really going to have to react to. And then they do. And sometimes they'll actually react in ways that were way better than what I thought they would react. Yeah. You know, and like you you can't get that at new players. You can get surprised Mm -hmm. certainly by it, but it's that trust factor, like, especially when it comes to players to GM, like for, for them to trust me that by purposely putting themselves in a more dangerous situation that I'm just not going to just smack them down because of that. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, as some sort of bizarre form of punishment is it's, it's, it's very freeing for me because it's like, wow, okay, then let's do something really fun with this. You know, this is really cool. And it's just a it's just a nice dynamic. Now you can sometimes get that with with veteran players when you do sit down for a con event, and that usually will come from the fact that those veteran players know that the emotional investment they have in that character is, I mean, it's less than two hours probably at that point. Right. So right. they'll do crazy stuff, mm-hmm. you know, which in itself can be a lot of fun, especially if you don't if you know okay, these guys have got to hang out for, be alive for at least another two hours. So I can't kill them right now. Right. But I can certainly make them sweat, you know? <laughs> and so that's, that's kind of fun. That also is free. <laughs> yeah. You can mess with yeah. them and it, it's, it's, it is, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Definitely agree with, with everything you've, you've said so far. I think a couple other things to mention as well, as far as dealing with uh, players who have been around for a while. And I know you mentioned like familiarity with the rules, but also familiarity with the lore. Um, yes helps in in a lot of ways in that like i can just maybe drop a subtle hint about a thing and they're like oh my god this guy's a a, like being controlled by a mind flare and i just i just barely had to pepper anything in there and they know right and that might not that may or may not be true but i can at least make them think that with just like a couple of key details right 
Um, yeah. And, it, and it related to that, you make it that situation where you do drop this. And like you said, you weren't maybe necessarily thinking that, but they go in this other direction. Right. And you're like, wow, that's so much a better idea. I'm <laughs> totally going that yeah. way. And I'm going to pretend like it was that way the whole time. I wasn't planning on it being a mind flare, but it fucking is now. So <laughs> but now that you mention it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I think that, um, you know, sometimes there's this kind of like, I guess, paranoia almost with players of tabletop RPGs that they're kind of expecting the worst. Um, mm -hmm. So you can kind of like, if, if they're familiar with how games can go and they're getting into a situation, then there's maybe there are mind flayers or whatever, right? That, that known threat, um, you can kind of play around with that as well a little bit. Um, oh yeah. By, you know, well, I'll put this mind flayer in front of you, but he's actually not part of the rest of the colony or I, uh, in, in my recent, uh, games. Um, I, I talk about my Eberron game quite a bit here. We're, we're going through the Mornland right now. The party came across a, uh, a house that there was a, a woman in and she had a baby, but the baby was a mind flare, a mind flare like baby. And they were terrified but they're, because they were like, this mind flare is controlling this woman. We're going to like have to kill this thing and there's just no hope for it. And it turns out that they actually were able to like reverse the effect that the Mornland had had on this baby and turn it back into a human baby again. Um, so can, can I, I think that's something that I probably would not have gotten away with if my players weren't so suited or so aware of kind of the lore or, uh, you know, just kind of knowing monsters in D and D in general, right? They have this knowledge of like mind flares are bad. They control people's minds. They shoot psionic blasts out. Like they are dangerous. Um, and then I put one in front of them that is going to be kind of the opposite of of a lot of those <laughs> things. So it it gets that chance to uh, gives me the chance to like subvert their expectations more or less. Mm -hmm. um, and you can, I mean, I'm talking about one specific instance, but you can kind of take that a lot of ways when you've got players who are very familiar with, uh, with games and kind of the, uh, the creatures that exist inside of them and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. Cause, cause a lot of times, I mean, yeah, the new players don't know that maybe they should be afraid mm -hmm. of certain mm -hmm. things or know that, mm -hmm. oh, this is something we need to be concerned about. And that. Yeah, you you with with veterans you can get that, and that gives you a different aspect and element to play with, um, and take advantage of. You know, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, any any other things that you love to uh, to do with uh, with older players? Veterans? Oh yeah, I think too. I think um, older players uh, or players that you've played with in a long time, you have um, you have an opportunity to uh try new things style wise mm. uh as a gm because mm -hmm. especially if they've been in your game for a long time because they they're they're, they're bound, bound to be more forgiving um they're probably going to give you good feedback and the, the risk of the risk of turnoff is significantly less and, yeah. and i guess what i mean by by style wise is just either your approach to the game, your, how you act, how you maybe portray NPCs, mm. um, props. I mean, it could be <laughs> anything in that, in that physical realm to just how you conduct the game. Mm -hmm. You know, you can use veteran, veteran players or a veteran table as 
you know, that, that sort of laboratory to do different things, yeah, you know, sure. and, and, and I prefer doing those things with veteran players over new players because new players, I feel um, a really strong internal sense of responsibility uh, as a veteran player myself, mm-hmm. that these are, and, and, and even more so now as I get older, that these people are new to the hobby. These people who are going to, if you want to get into like the whole philosophy, these are the people that are going to carry on the flame after I am gone. They're the next generation. Of they are. Things. Well, and yeah. they really are. Yeah. And so it's, and it's not like I want to, it's not that I'm doing this from a, a thing to like, you know, quote unquote, show them the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but it is in that sense that I'm going to show you that this, this is a worthwhile hobby to have this can bring you lifelong enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And I want to make your, your either your first experience or one of your first experiences to be something super memorable. How you take it and what you do with it after this point, that's up to you. Go forth, do it, be awesome, be better than me, you know, go do that. <laughs> right. And so, so if, but if I'm going to do something like super funky that, gosh, you know, I, th- I should try and run the game this way this time. Mm-hmm. And it like completely bombs. Right. Now I've just like done this weird thing for these new players. They're going to be like, what the hell was that? <laughs> I'm never going to get those four hours back. Right. And this, this whole RPG thing, this tabletop it's, RPG. It's really not for this me. Is, yeah. Yeah. This is definitely not for me. And it's like, that's, that's on me. That's my mm-hmm. fault as a veteran player. I should not have done that, you know? Right. So yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's save that stuff for, for yeah your familiar tables or mm-hmm. people who, you know, are going to give you the proper feedback on whether it's good or it sucked. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm thinking of a couple of instances where like I was able to do that with my current, current D and D game because the, the players have been around for a while. They're, we're good friends. We know each other. We trust each other. Um, except for one of them, we've all played in campaigns together. Like one of the players is new to playing it at my table, but she's had plenty of experience, you know, on her own before coming to, to play with us. And we're, we're good friends. So like, there's that, that trust there. And if I try something new, you know, and it doesn't work, that's okay. We can just like not do that again. Right. It's not going to ruin their experience. Maybe one session was not quite as optimal or as enjoyable as the others but it's not going to you know cause anyone to leave the game generally speaking we have like you mentioned earlier we have that trust with each other right yeah yeah um, and i i thinking of a couple examples specifically like we uh we had a downtime um session a couple of them back to back actually where um i i took a someone's game uh so uh, one of the creators in the space, uh, Lex, AKA uh, Titano Mackey, um, had just released their uh, beach episode game, which is like a really chill, uh, powered by the apocalypse system, kind of made to be played, you know, as a one-off or to incorporate in other games as like um, uh, downtime sessions, right? Um, and I'm like, okay, this seems pretty, pretty cool, pretty chill. I want to try and, and use some of these mechanics with with our game here. So even though we're playing D and D we're going to take a step away from those mechanics for, you know, two sessions here. Well, oh, we, nice. yeah. we just focus on these mechanics and use the same characters, but we're rolling dice in a different way. And it turned out to work really well. It's just a, a lot of fun. 
Um, but at the same time, like if it had not gone well, like that would have been okay. We're like, okay, cool. Let's put that aside. We won't come back to it. Um, but since it, it went really well, the players are like, oh, can we just keep these stats on our sheets now? So like for downtime stuff, we use these. I'm like, oh yeah, you can. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to let you do that. Yeah. Um, and then similarly, when we were in a uh, kind of high tension scene, we played fifth edition. I had the idea to run a scenario or an encounter as a skill challenge. So like pulled from fourth edition into and kind of, you know, put it into fifth and gloss things over, smooth the edges around a little bit and make it. Oh, very fast, cool. Right. So, um, you know, they're they're doing a chase and they're trying to get away from these people, but also catch this other person and like, OK, we're not going to do necessarily combat. Things are not necessarily happening like all at the same time or within six seconds. We're going to take things a little bit slower, though, and do the skill challenge. And this is how it's going to work for this thing. And it ended up working really well. And I had a conversation with them afterwards. It was like, how did you guys feel about that? You know, like we were talking earlier, you know, you have those conversations with the players of, you know, what did you like? What didn't you like? Did this particular thing work really well? And I think that is something that is really easy to do with veteran players. It's like mm -hmm. they know they know the game, right? They've been playing whatever game you're playing for a while, potentially, or you're in the midst of a campaign. So you're if you're changing things up, you can say, hey, these new elements, how did you feel about them? How did that sit with you? Would you like yeah. more of that, less of that, like stuff like that? So. And I think, too, I think a lot of times the, that advantage that they have, too, is that they can offer you, you know, from a mechanical perspective, mm -hmm. um, some additional advice like, yeah, this was working OK, but gosh, did you ever think about doing it this way? Mm -hmm. You know, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, yeah, I could totally. Yeah, that makes a lot of perfect sense. Um, I was trying to devise um, for an event I had to. I wanted to um, I wanted to simulate a game of dodgeball in, <laughs> okay. in, in, in this, that I was doing. And I was like, how can I do this? And I was looking at the various rules subsets and I'm like, ah, maybe I could do it. And I was kind of leaning towards some of my old defaults. So I could do it this way. But then I what I ended up doing in this situation is I threw it out onto um, a Facebook group. And I'm saying okay. I'm thinking I want to try and do this within these rules what is the best, you know, give me some suggestions as to how I could do this. Mm -hmm. And um, a guy named Dylan, who great player, great guy, he suggested to me, um, take the mass combat rules and modify them this way. And oh, I took a look at it and I'm like, oh, damn. Yeah, he's absolutely right. And then I was able to go and basically build a framework using familiar rules mm -hmm. with, with just slight modifications. And it, it worked perfectly i mean like worked mm -hmm. better than i expected and taking that inspiration when i had to do it for something else i'm like let's look back to this and see how i can modify those rules and that gave me that good foundation then to build and i was able to do that with a completely different activity uh, other than dodgeball using those uh, slightly adapted rules and again veteran player came up with you know some good suggestions mm -hmm. as to how to do something um, and I think that they, that, you know, there, there's, there's a good resource there and it's nice to experiment because you get, you can get that good kind of feedback when it's, uh, when it's needed. Yeah, absolutely. And, and similarly, um, you know, if you're trying to change things up within your game and you can, you have players that you, you trust about that, not just outside resources, but at the table with you as well and say, Hey, mm -hmm. I'm thinking about this thing. How do you guys think that that would 
work or how would we make that happen within what we're doing here so they can provide some some feedback to you or provide ideas and yeah i think generally uh as a tabletop rpg creator in in general like everyone else is always going to have better ideas than what i have <laughs> i'm going to pill for those ideas and make it my own thing so it's so true it's so true it's like you come up with a cool concept but then it's like somebody somebody always adds something to it and you're like wow that's that's way better yeah um and that you know not not i'm not not trying to like hurt myself as i pat myself on the back uh, for this but <laughs> when i see those things but that particular idea that you mentioned, like a lot of times I'll see again on Twitter, people will say, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm a new GM. What's the best advice that you can give me? Hmm. And my advice, because it's based base, basically off of what you just said is that approach every game session from the perspective of, I can't wait to see what, how my players take what I've written and make it more awesome. Hmm. Yeah, because like I've got my outline for the adventure and how this session, this scenario is going to go, but I know that my my players are going to come up with angles and things that are the stuff I never thought of and that are ultimately going to be way cooler than what I <laughs> than what I thought of. But they couldn't have come up with something that cool without my foundation, so that's good. That mm -hmm. that is in collaborative storytelling right there. Absolutely. And so. And when you do that, I feel that it does open up your mind as a GM a little bit to look for those opportunities to where somebody may say something and you're like, that's actually kind of a cool direction. Let's explore it and go this way. And then you know, lean heavily into that. Um, and, it, 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 and, it, and granted, it's again, it's a lot easier said than done, I think, because you, you, you cast yourself into familiar territory because suddenly now you're you're off your notes, mm -hmm. you know, and now you're going into this uncharted territory. But you know, sometimes when you really lean hard into things, it actually, it can come out better and you'd be surprised at how much, you know, good flow you can get out of there. Yeah. It can really pay off in a big way there mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So, so should we talk about the flip side? Yeah. Of, I was uh, just about to ask, like we've, we've <laughs> talked, we've gushed about old players for a yep, little while. Yep, and how great know. they are, but yeah. Yeah, how are they what, not so great? How, what are some problems that we run into with the older <laughs> players? Cause I can think of a, very long list right off the top of my head, but I want to get your ideas and talk about how to, how to uh, respond to those issues as well. So I, I think the, the biggest one that I have found often is you get veteran players who, because of the, if whether it's because of lore knowledge or because of that, that they played the game for a certain length of time, mm. they, they refuse to treat, I don't want to say refuse. That's not right. they, they get into a habit of not treating what's happening in the world as real in game. Mm -hmm. um, you know, perfect, perfect uh, example of this is I had some new players once and they encountered some kobolds in the sewer. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. They were like legit concerned. They didn't know what, I mean, these were, and these were all fighter PCs. Okay. okay? And they encountered like maybe like a four kobolds, but they didn't know what to do, what they were going to do. And so they were like looking at this as like a real legitimate threat. They didn't know that, they could literally sneeze and the cobalt's going to fall over dead. Okay. <laughs> they didn't know that they had no right. clue. Right. You know, but you get these veteran players and they like, you know, Oh, you've got you, the squad of cobalt approaches you and they have all spears and they're like, okay, well, we're just going to walk right through them and they're all going to fall over like bowling pins. Right. Right. And so they're not acknowledging that, that real world threat and granted it may not be a threat at all, mm -hmm. but yet that, that combat encounter is serving a purpose 
And sometimes players, because of that, those habits, they, they forget what that purpose might be. And right. so they just treat it as an exercise, either in gathering XP or math, mm-hmm. you know. So that, you know, and, and, and granted, as a GM, you, you are kind of compelled at that point in time to make adjustments. So maybe it does become a real threat or puts right. them back on their toes, but you're not always going to do that. Right. You know, your players have some responsibility here, I think, in treating what you're presenting them as a real situation and responding appropriately, Mm -hmm. you know, in character as best as they can. So, I mean, that's, yes, like you, the list is long, but (laughs) that, that would be definitely one of the, the the first things that that comes to mind. Yeah. I think similarly, um, just that not maybe just the, uh, beyond the kind of mechanical knowledge, but the, again, that kind of lore knowledge as well. It's like, Oh, well, this seems to be a, a werewolf. So, okay, well, let's now go and find some silver weapons so that we can deal with this problem when it comes up, right? Like they, they're like, okay, I, I've seen the problem. I know what the solution is because I've been playing for a long time. So let's just get right to making the solution happen, right? Mm-hmm. They don't have that. The, the, the kind of mystery gets a little bit lost or fuzz, uh, you know, glossed over uh, maybe with yeah. uh, more veteran players because, they already have the knowledge in the back of their mind, even though the characters themselves might not. Right. So you can, and you can only really remove yourself from the game so far. Right. Like right. we say not to metagame and et cetera, but like some level of metagame is always going to happen regardless <laughs> of how much you try and prevent it. Right. But I, and I think with older players, it can be a lot uh, more difficult to remove yourself from from that game or remove that knowledge that you have from the game. Um, similarly, uh, on a you know mechanical standpoint, might be trying too much to like optimize things all of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I I know I have uh, a game that I'm a player in where it's like okay, th- this one player is always trying to take the help action. He's like, I just want I want to give advantage to everything all of the time. I'm like. I appreciate that, but also like, let me, you know, as my character do my thing myself, right? Like I don't necessarily need to have advantage on this. I'm going to try and do this on my own because that's what my character would do in this instance is to try and figure this out or, you know, investigate or try and find the trap or unlock the door or whatever. Like, I don't need you over my shoulder trying to help me out with that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. But they're, you know, and, and, and I, I get it because like we talked about earlier, it's like, you don't want to do the wrong thing. You don't want to fail and have like bad consequences happen. So it, it comes from a place of respect and, and uh, trying to help out everybody else at the table. But at the same time, it kind of can bog down the, uh, the game itself a little bit and take away some of those bits of enjoyment of like, let people make bad choices or let people do things that they're not good at. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's okay to, <laughs> to have things go wrong. A <laughs> lot of the fun of playing tabletop RPGs is making those bad choices because I'm not going to make those bad choices in real life. I want to see, yeah. I want to imagine how that would happen. Right. So. And, and, and oftentimes too, it, it's the bad choices and the consequences from those are the things that you remember most from a thing, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I mean, absolutely. it's, it's, you know, the, the utter disaster of when so-and-so tried to do this, you know, when he tried to swing across the chandelier to the other side of the balcony, you know, and he completely failed and, and all of this, you know, cascading things happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. You know, that's, that's the cool part of that. Yeah. And so, yeah, that it's, yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah I, I think, 
Oh, go ahead. No, 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 please, please go, go for it. No, I was just going to say, I think too, um, you know, we were talking too before on mics or looking at things about, um, yeah, when it comes to, yeah, rules lawyers mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and wanting to be true to the true to the letter of something as opposed to just the spirit of what might be happening in the encounter mm -hmm. yeah and and, and granted I, as a gm there's many times when i'm more than happy to get corrected rules knowledge from a player at a right. table right because I, I fully admit i don't always necessarily know the rules and i'm okay with not knowing all the rules yeah um but I, I, I think stuff like that can be a very much on a case by case basis. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. if, if you're in an encounter and things are flowing really good, the last thing I want to do is like, well, hold on, let's, we should stop and look this up, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and then right. trying to get back in that groove. That's not always a good thing to do. Right. You know, and if you have to make that ruling at the time and it's not, you know, the quote unquote correct rule, as long as you stay consistent with that for the rest of the session and then correct things after the fact, mm -hmm. you know, meaning the next session, then that's okay. Um, but yeah, the, the hardcore rules adherence can sometimes be an issue. Yeah. It know? can bog down and, the game. Sometimes. Granted, I, I, I appreciate, I do appreciate players who know the rules, so I don't have to carry all the books because mm -hmm. they got it in their brain. <laughs> right. And that's good, man. It yeah. really is. The other but... side of that is like, if I'm about to do something that's going to cause something detrimental to happen that should not happen because of X, Y, Z rule, then like, I'm okay with like pulling back a little bit and saying, okay, cool. Let's make, let's kind of play this by the book so that it isn't as harmful to your characters or to the story or whatever. Right. Yeah. And, um, and, and even, so. yeah. And I'm with you on that one. Cause even if, if it is something that could have been disastrous or was disastrous. And if you do feel that you need, you know, need to retcon mm -hmm. to fix that, then yeah, that's fine. Yeah. And, you know, cause I mean, if, if the rules actually would have meant then, okay, I guess he would have lived, you know, <laughs> well, okay. Then yeah. you know what? I'm wrong. You were correct. Then right. let's fix this. Right. You know, because that is you you want to make sure everybody has fun and rules lawyers. Sometimes that is their fun mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is making sure things are played to the letter of the law. And that's OK. Yeah. For you sure. know, so, yeah, I mean, we've talked about, you know, a couple of the kind of key issues that we run into or roadblocks that we run into with veteran players. How do you typically respond to these? Like, what are what's your advice to GMs if they come up against these issues with players at the table? What do you do? Man, that's a that's a really good question. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to, and this is, this is, I mean, in essence, this is the universal answer for all RPG related topics. Um, <laughs> oh boy. Is, here, the answer. The, okay. So hold on. All right. This is, this is the answer, but then I actually, I want to bring this up because it's, this is it. Well, never mind. I don't want to get too, too tangenty, but, um, now I got to remember where I was going here. Uh, and, oh, so th the answer is a lot of it really depends on know your players and 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 communicate. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and so if you are at a table with a bunch of friends and you do get along and all that, and there is that rules lawyer who's in your group, and if it if it is something where you can you can do that friendly GM override and say, yep, I get it. You know what, but I'm not going to look it up right now. Let's just go. We're going to go with this for right now, mm -hmm. Bob, 
just relax, dude. You know, we're, you know, just, just <laughs> yeah. close the book in your mind. Let's get, let's get through the encounter. That's okay. You know, but at the same time, if the encounter justifies that you need to listen to what Bob is telling you, well then listen to what Bob is telling you, because you may want to do this to avoid disaster. Like we had just talked about. So, but if you're at a, if you're, if you're at a you t- table of new players, it's probably not going to be too much of an issue because there's not going to be necessarily rules lawyers there. Although mm-hmm. that said, sometimes you may get that new player who will look on their character sheet or if the rule book is there and mm-hmm. they know and they start thumbing through it and come to the section that you're dealing with and they read the rule, you have to, this, this is very much of a read the room situation. Mm-hmm. If this person needs to be given credit for what they discovered that you may have forgotten and then it may be worth it to give them credit for that and change what's happening and follow that rule. You know, that might mm-hmm. be a victory for that person mm-hmm. and, and it helps them get invested in the game as opposed to, yeah, I'm just going to dismiss that rule completely. We're just going to do this. You right, might be right. giving them a bad impression of how games are run, mm-hmm. you know, or a negative impression, I should say. Right. Um, but you know, but they may also be cool with it. Again, you have to kind of know what your table dynamic is at the time, which can be difficult. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it, it, it does, it does depend. Um, and yeah, to, um, I guess put a dot on this, uh, or a dot, dot, dot with an ellipse. Um, that to me has always been the universal, universal answer, mm-hmm. you know, is yeah. communicate and know your players. Um, but yet at the same time, you know, we have RPG discussion podcasts like this because we yeah. love just talking about RPGs, but you could literally just do a podcast one episode and say, here's the rule, know your players and communicate. And then that like literally <laughs> solves every single RPG problem you're no ever more going to have. Dragon anymore. We figured it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There you go. But, you know, you, you don't want to come on and say, here's the answer. Yeah. Goodbye. You know, because it is fun to talk about things like this and you yeah. do. You know, and but all of those things bo- do boil down to that one universal answer, in my opinion. But it is, but we love the hobby, man, and we love talking about the hobby, and yeah. we love showcasing the hobby, and that's why we have all we have these great discussion podcasts, and we have these great APs that are out there because it's we just love doing this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and so so that's okay. It's okay to really really dive in and talk about these kinds of things because it is it's it is good to talk about because then that goes back to the original point of there's so much good information out there um now you know it's a better time than any to to be new player in the hobby absolutely yeah i couldn't couldn't agree uh more i think definitely like you know, if you're running into issues, with, especially with veteran players, most of the time veteran players are going to be okay with having that conversation of like, hey, let's, you know, if you're their rules lawyer, you know, and they need that thing to be correct, like, all right, cool, let's go with that. But a lot of the times you can just say like, hey, I understand you're, you're bringing this up. I'm running the game right now. This is how I'm reading this. And this is how we're moving forward with this. And mm-hmm. With a few exceptions, um, most of the people are going to be like, okay, yeah, no problem. That's that's your prerogative, right? There are definitely going to be some people who are really sticklers like, oh, well, no, this is what it says. And, yeah. and you can have a separate conversation with them afterwards, right? Uh, ultimately, I think, you know, as long as everyone's having fun, having a good time, you're doing it right. And it exactly, you know, that 
every GM and every table is going to be a little bit different. So you got to, you know, figure it out for your, yourselves again, you know, we're done here. Bye. 19 hits the dragons over. Figure it out on your own. Oh, great. Go, yes. Go so, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. so glad I came on the show <laughs> to completely just kill the show. That's, that's mission accomplished. Yeah, no, we got, we're done. We're done here. <laughs> no. Well, you know, uh, and that, I mean, I used to be on fear the boot, but I mean, that was, uh, I mean, that was ultimately the, like, the answer that we kept coming back to, you know, uh, over and over and over again was, you know, know your players and communicate, Yeah, you know, and, and just like earlier when I answered, you know, he said, it kind of depends. Well, that's what gaming and BS says all the time. It yeah. depends, you yep. know? So <laughs> yeah, but, that's honestly like if longtime listeners or people who are maybe new to the show can go back to our, our very first episodes with me and Rob. And that was kind of some of our first uh, bits of uh, advice is like, know your players, communicate with your players. That'll solve all of your problems. Yeah. <laughs> but but so. see, but despite that, though, like but coming on here and, and being able to talk about this kind of stuff, like. Like I said, I haven't gotten bored yet. You know, mm-hmm. I'm yeah. I'm I'm in I'm in my fifties, and like I'm still talking about this with just as much enthusiasm and love for the hobby as I had when I was in my teens and early twenties, and that says a lot about the players and the people who are in this hobby mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. how just how great it is. I love meeting new players and meeting people who are doing things different than I've ever done them. You know, it's so now I, I get to discover new stuff, you know, and that's so much fun. Excellent. Well, yeah, we've talked a lot about kind of both sides of things, new players, old, great things about both, you know, roadblocks that you run into with both here. Um, I guess any, uh, any maybe, maybe parting words of wisdom, or if you want to kind of summarize your advice, I, I know we kind of had a little bit there with like talk to your players, but anything that you feel, I guess, that we haven't covered in regards to this topic or I think these topics. The- I think the biggest thing really, and that you kind of alluded to this more, well, two things really, really comes down to a GM being very observant. Um, and this is, this is true. This is true for both new and old players. doesn't matter. Or mix. Um, be really observant as to some of the dynamics and some of the things that are happening at the table at the time in this. And I, I say this more in the sense of, of a characters that they're running as opposed to the players mm-hmm. um, and make sure that, you know, cause I mean, everybody knows about giving, giving certain characters a spotlight when they need to mm-hmm. um, as far as from the GM standpoint, but really, really look for those opportunities and really, really look for certain times when a scene that you might be dismissing mentally because you're con- concerned about the scene that's coming next, make sure that you have observed that situation to see maybe this is a scene worth expanding or sticking with just a little bit longer. Um, and there's been, and this kind of leads into my second point, because there's been so many times when I have learned after the fact that, gosh, I wish that scene would have gone on a little bit longer mm, or, yeah. or something else was going on that I completely missed. And by, by paying attention to those kinds of things, you learn how to catch them later and then fix that issue. Uh, should it come up and a good way to do that. And this is, this is the second point, And this is actually my overall philosophy for this. I got from Brent, who's one of the players in the APs about why he does this, but recording your sessions. So you don't have to record them and release them as an AP, but you certainly can. Hmm. But if you, 
if you record the audio from your session, you're going to learn so much more. I mean, one, it's, it's, it's a great way to get notes because you have the session that's all right there. So you know for sure what happened in that previous session. But it also serves as a really, really cool piece of memorabilia for 20 years down the road when you can go back and you'll be like, oh my gosh, I remember this and this is really cool. Mm -hmm. So that that's kind of fun. But then also too, it is, it, it's great as a tool from a GM standpoint to address those things that I just talked about. Because most of the time when I realized that I could have left a scene running longer or maybe delved into a little bit more was when I listened to it after the fact. Mm. And was like, holy cow, I didn't even realize this was going on because I had so many other things going on in my mind as a GM. I didn't pay attention to this particular aspect. And so that helped train me to look for those things in subsequent sessions. On top of that, um, I have, me personally, I have a bit of, especially when I'm in the GM chair, I have a bit of a stuttering problem hmm. because I'm I definitely try and want to get all kinds of information out there, or I may be trying to describe something. And, you know, sometimes my words just kind of just get mashed up and on top of each other. And, and it, it's, it's amazing that people will still sit. Sometimes when I listen to that, sometimes that people will still sit down with me at a table afterwards. Yep. You know, it's like, I'm sitting here trying to describe this super horrible monster. And I've like said so many words, more words than I needed to. Mm. Why are these people gaming with me still? But <laughs> So, I mean, I know, and I get that a lot of people hate hearing their own voice and mm -hmm. I, I totally understand that. And I sympathize with that. But for me, I've been able to use the recordings of myself or of the game sessions to identify various speech issues that I have had and go about correcting those. And whether that is eliminating your own personal ums and ahs by just mm -hmm. being a okay with silence or coming up with other words to fill those spaces if you need to, but also to teach myself to slow down when it comes to descriptions, because sometimes I, I also have a tendency to talk very fast, but listening to these recorded sessions that improves my skill as a GM, because I can identify my own personal problems that I think might be contributing to a not optimal game session and then go about fixing them. And so it's very useful and helpful in that way. Excellent. So yeah, that would be um, that would be my other piece of advice, I guess. Well, yeah. Again, thank you so much for for coming on today and uh, chatting here. It's been uh, been really great uh, just talking <laughs> with you and, oh, and yeah. uh, shooting yeah. shooting the breeze and getting to get your perspective on on these things as well. Because I I think we've had you know kind of similar takes, but also I feel like I've learned a lot. I hope our listeners have as well. So. Very much appreciate you coming on. I have. So you, you've taught me some stuff as well. So right. this, is, this is good. This Excellent. Is good. Uh, that's why we do this. Um, so, uh, yeah, I do, though, want to give you a chance to uh, kind of, you know, plug uh, what you you do. So I'm going to shut up here, but please tell my <laughs> listeners uh, you know, how, how they can find and, and follow you. Um, yeah. So uh, Twitter, uh, despite sometimes being portrayed as the burning dumpster, dumpster fire hellscape that it can be at times, <laughs> fully admit that it is, mm -hmm. um, certain parts of the TTRPG community are actually really good. So that is that is primarily where you will find me on the socials. Um, and I am at the Hussman, all one word. Uh, you can find me there and I absolutely love talking about games and game things and memes, whatever. It's all good. Um, so that's socially where you can find me. My two podcasts that I produce, 
Um, they are on Fear the Boots AP feed, but you can get to them directly by going to youngandholt.com, and that'll take you to the Adventures of Young and Holt, which is the Deadlands Weird West podcast. Or you could go to gunforhireap.com for the Deadlands Noir, and that's gun with two N's, uh, gunforhireap.com, and uh, check out both of those there. So, and I don't think, I think that's, I mean, that's primarily where I am. I'm, I'm on a few various RPG discords uh, where I hang out there as well. Um, you know, so you, odds are, well, I, I can't say, cause there's so many out there, but mm-hmm. um, if, if you find me, if you find me on Twitter, I can tell you where I am there discord wise. And you know, if you really feel you want to talk to me or verbally abuse me based upon my advice given <laughs> here, <laughs> go, go for it, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, yeah, definitely uh, go and, and follow uh, Chris. He's uh, great to, uh, to have in, in your feed and, and show up on your timelines and, and to chat with certainly. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm super interested in checking out that uh, the Noir uh, uh, Deadlands game. So I'm going to definitely uh, uh, throw that one on the uh, the list of things to uh, to listen to. As we talked about earlier, there's so many podcasts out there. How do you find them I all? know, right? And it's, um, it, it is fun to discover. And it's also fun to get invested in ones that you really like. And yeah. that is, you know, it becomes like a thing, you know, and it's just great whenever a new episode. And that's the other thing. And I'm not saying this, by the way, to fish for people to do this for me, because mm-hmm. that's I don't, I, I, I don't need it. It's nice when it happens. But if you do listen to any podcast, whether it's this one or any AP podcasts or any other shows, interact with the people behind them. Tell them how much you appreciate that. It is that there are a few things that make you feel better than when somebody out of the blue says, man, I listen to your show. I friggin' love it. You know, <laughs> yeah, I love, absolutely. or I listened to this episode, man, when you said this, that was amazing. Like that means the world. Um, and so the more you do that, take that time to say a few kind words. It's huge, huge. Absolutely. And and speaking of listeners, if you want to let me know what you think of the, the show, please do leave comments, ratings, reviews, whatever you can, wherever you get your podcast. You can also find me on Twitter at 19 hits the dragon. Uh, send me an email if that's your thing. 19 hits the dragon at gmail.com. Um, and uh, yeah, let me let uh, the husband know if you enjoyed any of what what we said today or uh, can uh, benefit from what we said today and, and use that in, in your own games. Um, but of course, the best way you can help the show out uh, is by word of mouth, going out and telling 19 of your closest friends. Well, very clever. Uh, thanks so much again to, uh, to, to Chris here. Thank you to our listeners for joining us today. Uh, everybody take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and we'll see you all next time when 19 hits the dragon. Bye-bye. Bye.